0: The talk this evening is on communion. No one wishes to live in isolation, to live as a separated or divided individual. There is something within us, some force, some drive, that seeks to find a sense of oneness, a sense of intimacy, a sense of communion in life. There is something within us which leads us to seek out different ways to transcend separation and division. There are moments in our lives when we do have clear glimpses of what a sense of communion what a sense of existence of oneness with existence really is. And when there is a glimpse of what communion, of oneness is, there's also with that an immediate recognition of how real, how significant, how valuable it is to abide in that sense of oneness. And yet, too, the glimpses that we do have of oneness, of communion, tend to be just that, glimpses which are also very transient. And we may find ourselves then again once more feeling somewhat separated, divided, apart from others and from existence. To be separated, to be to have a feeling of being cut off or apart is a painful way of existence. It's in that separation that can exist, there is a potential for fear, for loneliness, for alienation. It's in that separation that does exist that there is self-consciousness. And in that self-consciousness, a lack of self-acceptance. And equally, we find ourselves in our relationships with others, being judgmental, comparing, labeling. That separation, wherever it exists, division, wherever it exists, is the breeding ground for conflict. The separation that exists between I and you, between us and them, is the breeding ground for a great deal of suffering. It's obvious that none of us wish to live in a way where we do feel separated, where we feel divided. It's obvious that none of us wish to experience the conflict that comes from separation, That none of us wish to live in a way in which we are more conscious of what divides us and separates us than what unifies us. And so we find ourselves trying endeavoring to transcend separation, recognizing that separation is always limitation. And many of the directions the activities that we engage in in life are consciously and unconsciously a search to bring about an end to division, a search to transcend separation and to discover a sense of oneness, a sense of communion. With nature, with other people, we attempt and seek to discover a sense of oneness in creativity, in action, in meditation. Equally we find ourselves attempting to discover how it is possible to abide in a lasting sense of oneness, of communion in which separation and difference comes to an end. So often our searches become frustrating We have glimpses of what it means to experience a true sense of oneness with existence with others, even within ourselves. And yet so often those glimpses are also very transient. They pass away only to become memories. And yet if we ever truly feel to be at one within, to be at one with nature, with others, The serenity, the joy, the peace that is found within that experience is so significant, makes such a deep impression upon the mind that we find ourselves again and again trying to discover how to find a lasting sense of communion. To discover that, way of being which is so significant, which is so real, we also need to understand the dividing process within ourselves. We need to understand the ways in which separation and difference and alienation is created within. In Western society, the union with the group is the most prevalent way Of attempting to overcome separation and to discover some sense of oneness, of union. By unifying ourselves with a political group, a religious group, a spiritual group, we gain in that union a sense of belonging. At times we also gain the believer consciousness, and that believer consciousness that sense of belonging, alleviates to some degree a sense of loneliness, a sense of apartness, and also gives a feeling of inner security and a kind of reinforcement which tends to give a sense of overcoming separation. By unifying ourselves with something larger than ourselves, a group, an entity, we feel to be a part of something and feel less apart from others. When that union is motivated by fear or by insecurity, by a lack of inner trust, then it invariably involves to some degree submission by conforming in our ideas, our goals, our aspirations, the sense of being apart to some degree disappears. By feeling and thinking, speaking, expressing the same as other people, alleviates the discomfort of feeling different, of feeling to be left out in some way. But it's an insubstantial sense of oneness in that it only survives as long as we are surrounded by people who think, feel the same as we do and tends to disappear as soon as our sense of belonging, as soon as our opinions, our beliefs are threatened. Security the feeling of being secure, is not in any way the same as oneness. So often, when there is a strong group consciousness, that strength thrives on being different from others, different from other groups, different from other people. And out of that need to feel different, so much narrowness is born. A strong group consciousness thrives not just on feeling different than others, but so often gains its strength from feeling better, superior, more right than other people. And out of that comes these beliefs, these ideas that people own the only way to truth, or they own the only path or that they only own the only truth that there is so often a strong group consciousness that is fed through fear and insecurity thrives and develops its strength really by de- by dwelling upon the weaknesses of others and through that dwelling reinforcing their own sense of being better I see this again and again happening in the East, and more frequently now happening also in the West, where there is so much separation between one group and another, where there is number of different groups expressing that they are seeking liberation, seeking truth, and that they own the only path to it. And surely that the fear, the insecurity is so apparent in the believer consciousness. Union that is motivated by insecurity, by fear, creates not communion. It may create sameness. But it contributes not to communion or a sense of oneness, but rather is a dividing process and creates further difference, further alienation, in that that sense of union is dependent upon creating walls of resistance around oneself in order to protect that feeling of belonging. Sameness is often mistaken for oneness. If we feel lonely, if we feel alienated or different within ourselves, we may seek to escape those feelings by being the same as others. Where there is a a strong sense of outer difference between us and others, or a strong feeling of inner difference. There is also a feeling of being cut off and apart. And mental isolation, psychological or um, emotional isolation, is a tremendously depressing experience. In our society, too, differences are not easily accepted. To be different than others is not easily accepted. And if we're not secure in our sense of difference, then conformity, being the same as others, is often seen as being the solution to get rid of that sense of difference. In our culture, people are not really forced to conform. Rather, the conformity that comes about so often is an expression, both of being unable to accept one's own differences and a great need to feel at one, to feel accepted, to feel a part of our culture, of a group, of a relationship. By adopting the lifestyle, the dress, the language of our friends, our peer groups, then superficial differences are erased. There's a sense of sharing, a sense of oneness. But it's such a pseudo kind of oneness, one which is lacking in serenity, one which is lacking in joy, in that the inner source of conflict and separation hasn't been understood. In seeking for communion, in seeking for oneness, so often we seek for it in things outside of ourselves, in groups, in other people, in relationships. And then our sense of oneness then is always, always dependent upon external reinforcement. And so, of course, is always transient because in some way, unless inner conflict is resolved, then separation, feeling of a part, easily arises. Our sense of belonging is so easily threatened. The source of division needs to be understood. The source of separation source of feeling apart, feeling alienated, feeling cut off, needs to be understood within ourselves before true oneness, true communion can be understood. In creativity, in the act of creating, There is a deep sense of oneness, a deep sense of communion. Creativity is not necessarily the production or manufacturing of some object. Rather, creativity is a quality of being where there is no separation between I and object. In that, there can be creativity in the most simple activity to the most profound. There can be creativity in sitting, in walking, in moving. There can be creativity in speaking, in thinking, in feeling. It's in no way dependent upon a particular object. Creativity is that quality of consciousness, essentially, where there is the absence of the creator. That quality of being, that quality of consciousness within ourselves, where there is no separation between I and object, is also the quality of communion, the quality of oneness. The I and the object disappear And then there is just sitting, just being, just doing, just walking. And in that, a depth of serenity, a depth of peacefulness, a depth of openness that can never be known as long as the separation between I and object exists. Communion, too, is that same quality of being. It is pure expressiveness. It is the ability just to be, just to sit, just to in that being have a sense of being of sharing in existence, sharing in the universe. We experience times of communion when there is that quality of being, that quality of openness and depth of vision, we also experience times of separation. The question surely is, is it possible for us to know a lasting sense of communion? Is it possible for us to know a lasting sense of oneness which is not dependent on reinforcement, on support? Is it possible for us to cut through totally separation? Is it possible for us to know a total end to division, to alienation? In our search for that sense of oneness and communion, we often look to relationship. Love and the relationships which are founded on love have the power to overcome alienation have the power to cut through differences and to cut through a sense of separation. In a loving relationship, in a loving way of being, there is such a sense of sharing and openness and oneness that differences become very superficial The sense of I and other diminishes. Love is one power of the heart that has the power to transcend the limits of individuality. Where this distance that can so obviously exist between I and you simply dissolves. Love is that power that has the capacity to bring about that total sense of communion, not just in a relationship, not just between two people, but with all beings. It is difficult to discover or to maintain that depth of love in relationship. It's difficult to feel that sense of loving in a world where there does appear to be so many differences. Often in the beginning of a close relationship, that sense of loving and openness and sharing is there very strongly. There is little emphasis given to what divides, little emphasis given to differences, The sense of I and other is very, very minimal. And yet so often that total sense of openness tends to diminish through familiarity, through habit, through expectation, through conditioning, and mistrust and separation again begins. And that sense of communion comes to an end. And again there is that feeling of separation And often in seeking to bring about an end to that feeling, we may seek to find yet another relationship and repeat the same process again and again and again, without questioning whether the communion has disappeared, whether the loving has disappeared, or whether simply more attention, more energy, has been given to the conditioning, the labels, the expectations. In meditation, it's also possible to experience a deep sense of communion and oneness. In deeper levels of meditation, there can be a kind of inner stillness A kind of inner silence, not quietness, where differences really dissolve. There can be a a depth in meditation where one reaches another dimension of openness. In that stillness, in just sitting, in just being, there is a cessation of separation. There is a cessation of alienation. And differences are seen to be what they are. The differences that often appear so substantial are seen to be what they are. Just differing expressions of one life force. Differing presentations of one life force. It's in that stillness, in that depth in meditation, That one really has the power to question separation. That one really has the openness, the spaciousness, to really question how division is created. You can see, in meditation, one can sit, the eyes are closed, one can feel very still within oneself. There's not the recognition or acknowledgement of differences, of separation. And yet, so often, we open the eyes, we come out of meditation, we enter the field of doing, of interacting, and that doing, that interacting, seems to stimulate to the surface of the mind again, all the conditioning, all the labels, all the judgments, and again, there is a sense of division. As soon as there is that meeting of inner and outer, there is in that a clash, an awareness of different presentations, a highlighting of differences, the use and application and dwelling upon labels and judgments, and a feeling to be really quite separate from the world around us. If those differences are not seen through, then those differences, which are as a limitation imposed by the conditioned mind, also becomes a reality. Instead of seeing another person, instead of seeing an object, instead of seeing what each moment presents to us, so often what we do see are our labels, are our judgments, are our images, all associated with the past, all based upon memory. And unless that, if that is clung to, unless that is seen through, then that world of images and labels and judgments becomes a reality that we live in. And in a reality which is composed of labels, a reality which co- is composed of images, can only ever be a world of division and separation in which there is a potential for a vast amount of conflict, for a vast amount of suffering, both within ourselves and within our relationships. As long as we are enmeshed within our labels, our images and their associations, then communion is denied to us. When we are no longer projecting our labels and judgments and comparisons upon the world, the sense of separation ends. You can see there is oneness in creativity. There is communion in creativity. It's a oneness which comes to an end with the birth of the Creator. The Creator creates an object of creation which it judges, which it likes, dislikes, compares and measures. And there is separation. You can see there is communion, a sense of oneness at times in groups. Our beliefs change, our minds change, we feel threatened, that sense of union dissolves. There is communion in meditation. We come out of meditation and our world of ideas, our images and labels clashes with the world of actuality, with the ideas, opinions of others, and again there is division. The meditator creates an object of meditation which it judges, which it compares, which it measures. The meditator brings striving to meditation. It brings its concepts of enlightened and unenlightened, of bondage and freedom, concepts which have absolutely no meaning apart from the significance which the mind gives to them. And so there is a separation between the meditator and the object of meditation. And as long as that separation, that division exists in meditation, the meditation too is no path to communion. There is communion in loving, in just loving. The lover arises and creates an object of love. The person becomes an object. Again, which is judged and measured, liked and disliked, compared, which is used to either reinforce, which is felt to threaten us. And the sense of loving becomes lost because the object of love and the lover is given so much significance. Through dwelling upon the lover and the object of love, that quality of just loving is lost just as the quality of just being in meditation is lost, just as the quality of creating is lost in the birth of the creator. Communion is a quality of being, just as meditation just as creativity just as loving is a quality of being not something we practice or learn or remember but a quality of being in where the subject is given no undue importance and where the subject the sense of i whether it's in the role of the lover or the meditator is not clung to also the object disappears, and there is no separation. The separation is transcended when the insubstantiality of the lover, the meditator, the creator, whatever role the sense of I assumes, is seen to be as insubstantial as it is. When it is given no reality, also the object is given no reality. The sense of I always lives in a world of names and forms, a world of different objects, all separate and different and apart from each other. The sense of I dwells upon characteristics, dwells upon its labels and associations, and so there is always division in that. We don't need in any way to erase differences. We don't need in any way to try to endeavor to overcome differences. Because differences are not in any way a threat to being. The only threat to being is clinging. Differences do not have the power in any way to create separation or division. It's only clinging and ignorance which has the power to create separation and division. And that is what meditation is concerned with. Initially here the meditator is very strong. We use all these different practices when you watch the breath, when you use the body when you practice choiceless awareness. The meditator is very strong, and there is always an object of meditation, whether it's the breath, whether it's the body, whether it's an object that you give attention to. As long as there is choice, as long as there is a sense of beginning, as long as there is intention, the meditator is being applied. In the beginning part of the retreat, the meditator hopefully is applied constructively. But one needs to be aware that the meditator is at work. Applied constructively in that the meditator uses different objects of meditation to bring stability, to develop attention, to create equanimity, to create spaciousness. It's a constructive use of that role. It's not in any way to say that one also has to try to get rid of the meditator. But one has to see that the meditator is a manifestation of the sense of I. And the sense of I in itself is quite neutral. We don't need to make a crusade out of getting rid of I simply because in itself it is quite empty, and it is quite neutral. It becomes destructive, becomes divisive, becomes alienating when it, is, when it has different roles and realities imposed upon it and they are believed in. But in that application of the meditator, still there is separation in our meditation, always. Always. A divisive, pro, a divisive use, a separating use of the meditator is when it's the conditioning element of the mind gets mixed up with the meditator and so brings its judgments, its comparisons, its likes and dislikes. And then the meditator becomes a hindrance. There is also a point in practice, a point in meditation, when the actual doing, also becomes a hindrance. Practicing meditation can become a habit. We can become very habitual in always doing something. We can associate doing with sitting down on a cushion. What am I going to do now? I'm going to watch my breath, I'm going to go through my body, I'm going to go to whatever arises. That sense of activity, that sense of doing, of course, can keep us very occupied, can keep us very busy. We can get up off the cushion and felt that was a really good meditation. I was busy the whole time, I didn't miss a thing. <laughs> Without necessarily also seeing that one was totally caught up in the role the entire time. There also comes a point in meditation where the object of meditation loses its importance. Whether it's the body, whether it's the breath, whether it's choices, whatever it is, there comes a point in meditation where the object of meditation must diminish in importance. One can spend, I feel, lifetimes, if one believes in that, perfecting techniques. There are millions of techniques, and one could spend lifetimes being busy. Now, it would be relatively wholesome lifetimes, to be sure, (laughs) but it would still be lifetimes. And at some point, one needs to take the emphasis of the object of meditation and go to the meditator. Who is the meditator? whether the intentions are good, whether the intentions are unwholesome. Who is the meditator? Who is watching the breath? Who is practicing choices awareness? Who is going through the body? Who is being attentive? To give, to turn that sense of watching around just to sit, just to be still. And just to see this sense of I arising in different roles. The meditator also has a whole variety of different roles that it wears. Progress and failure. Achievement and regression. There are also different cloaks that the meditator puts on at different times. And it all needs to be questioned. It all needs to come back to this sense of I. In seeing, not just not giving undue significance to the object of meditation, but also not giving undue significance to those roles and different disguises that that the meditator wears. But to see that this sense of I, in whatever role it is, is always there with the object. And as long as either is given reality, as long as either is believed in through labels, through judgments, through comparisons, through associations, then there is separation. Just meditating, just being, is abiding in stillness. Abiding in awareness in just seeing, in that abiding, seeing the dance of the mind without becoming involved, seeing the passing show of names and forms, seeing the passing show of roles and presentations within, without clinging, just seeing and just being. If there is no reality given to subject or to object, there is also no separation. There is communion with reality, with truth, with existence, with all beings. There's no separation. When we cease to chop reality up into parts with clinging when we cease to chop reality up into parts with clinging then there is just being there is communion there is the transcending of separation and in that also the transcending of conflict of alienation of loneliness there is in that transcending Another dimension of being, of loving, of freedom. May all beings be free from division. May all beings abide in communion male beings just be